This is a Music Therapy Chronicles podcast episode with your host, Trisha Coyote. If someone influential in your life has said something to you similar to, isn't that a bit young for you, or any other type of judgmental phrase that makes you feel like you are put into a box that you have to stay in for the rest of your life. (sighs) Take a moment to give yourself so much love and grace for young you, or maybe not even young you, past you, accepting those things as truth, and to know that if those beliefs are no longer serving you, then it's okay to let them go and unravel them. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote. I'm your weekly host and a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe so you never miss an episode and consider leaving us a rating and review. We really appreciate them. You can find more podcast episodes, links to our pod courses, the self-care community, links to all of our social media, and get on our monthly newsletter all at musictherapychronicles.com. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show today. And you can always reach me by sending an email to hello at musictherapychronicles.com. Back to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Thank you so much for being here today with me, your host, Trisha. Um, someone on my street appears to be cutting down trees. And so I apologize if there is background noise of saws and grinding and the wood chipper or whatever they have running. There's all sorts of machine sounds coming from outside. So uh, hopefully that does not get picked up on my mic. But if it does, sorry, this is reality. But anyway, thank you for being here. Thank you for choosing to listen to the Music Therapy Chronicles today. I really appreciate your support and your time, and I hope, as always, you get a lot out of today's episode. I'm going to be talking about something that I've really been processing lately. I've kind of been processing a lot, you know, emotionally, but this is something that keeps coming up and keeps coming up, and I am starting to see more and more how it is affecting my work as a clinician, specifically as a creative clinician. And that's the gift of immaturity. And I know there's a lot of baggage that comes with the word immaturity. So hear me out. I'm going to kind of go through um, exactly what it is that I've been going through, that I've been processing. And so healing is not linear, right? Um, But I'm going to try and make today's episode as linear as possible, explaining everything, <laughs> explaining everything that I've been um, experiencing and and um, deconditioning. I guess that's a good word to be using. So the gift of immaturity. <sighs> I'll start with a recent experience. Um, 
actually just last week, I was looking for a book. If you've been listening to the podcast for at least this year, you know that I have been getting back into reading and really enjoying it and making time for that. Um, One of my themes, personal themes for this year was joy. And so reading has been bringing me a lot of joy and I've really been prioritizing that. So I was looking for a book. I found the first book in this duology at a thrift store. Absolutely loved it. Decided that I want the second one. And the quickest way for me to get it was to go to Barnes & Noble. So Barnes & Noble is kind of like a treasure hunt. You have an idea of what you're going to find, but you don't always know where you're going to find it. I was pretty sure that this book was going to be a young adult book, and that's the section I would find it in. Um, The second book in this duology I was reading, which I guess I'll just say it's the Bone Criers duology. So I just finished Bone Criers Moon, and I was looking for Bone Criers Dawn. Super good. Highly recommend. And anyway, I figured I'd be looking for them in the young adult section, but when I walked into the store, the like young section, like for kids in mid-grades, was on my right, and I thought, you know, maybe I will find it there. And this is kind of where the meat of this episode begins. Going into like the kids section of Barnes & Noble was incredibly challenging and empowering for me to the point where actively looking for a book for myself in that section almost brought me to tears. (laughs) And it is now because this is where this whole story begins. When I was in middle school, I, surprise, surprise, was a pretty good player in our band and I was chosen uh, among a few of my peers to perform must have been like a a small Christmas thing, like a quartet or whatever Christmas event at our local Barnes and Noble. Um, And so I was super fortunate to be given the opportunity to be able to go, to have parents that were there to support me and um, my band directors. I had two at the time and both were, as you can imagine, as a budding young musician, both my band directors were um, people I looked up to and really influential in my life. And so we're at Barnes & Noble, we do our performance, we're all finished, and I say to my mom, um, I don't remember if I said, but I was in middle school, so this is like age 11 to 13, I don't remember exactly when. But anyway, so I finished up and I said to my mom, hey, can I go get a book? Uh, I was a really avid reader when I was young, and she said, yeah, of course. So she's talking to the band directors, I go off to find my book, which happens to be something colorful from the kids section. And remember, I'm in middle school at this point. So I come back with my book. I'm all excited. I go up to my mom and my band directors and I'm ready to go. And one of my band directors looks at me. He looks at the book and he says, isn't that a little bit young for you? And I was crushed. And obviously this has really stuck with me because it's something that I'm still processing now as an adult, like many, many, many years later. So I don't exactly remember what happened after that, but I do remember the book that I walked out with was like a friendship bracelet making book. So that means one of two things happened. Either I looked at the book and said, oh yeah, you're probably right, went and put it back, and then got this friendship-making, friendship bracelet-making book. 
because I was saying to myself, well, learning a new skill is not immature or too young for me. So that's something that I should pick up from this bookstore. Or that was the book I already had. And something empowered me to know like, this is a skill I want to learn, even if he thinks it's too young for me. So either way, I, within that very small interaction, had internalized that there are certain things that are, quote, too young for me. They're too immature for me. A budding young musician who gets good grades and excels at things, there are things that are too young for me. But something that is worth my time, this is the second thing I internalized, something that is worth my time is learning a new skill. Hence, friendship bracelets. So regardless of exactly how those events happened, that is what I internalized after that encounter. And so as I continued to grow, went into high school and college, um, I didn't read as much. And I certainly didn't read things that brought me joy. I would only read, you know, what was assigned to me for work, or I would only pick up self-help books, you know, things that, again, were going to teach me a new skill, were going to help me improve myself, things that were, quote, mature. The only fiction I allowed myself to continue reading was Harry Potter. And that's because I always viewed Harry Potter as like, you know, this book that I read when I was a kid, and it's kind of just nostalgic to read, and it might make me happy, but you know, it's just like a, like a, what am I trying to say? Like a pass off. Like I'm not actually reading Harry Potter. I'm just rereading Harry Potter. Wow. I'm rolling my eyes at myself. But again, this is what I've been processing. And again, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, You've probably heard me say like, yeah, I've been listening to Harry Potter in the car and it's really helped get my creative juices flowing. Big surprise, Trisha, that doing or listening to a creative book, a fiction book is getting your own creative juices flowing. So let's bring this back to present day where I'm going looking for this book, which I assume is a young adult book, a mid-grade read, or I'm sorry, a young adult read, but I go to the mid-grade section, the kids section of the bookstore, and all of this stuff is flooding back. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm too old for this. This is immature. All of these things are too young for me. I can't possibly get value out of like kids' books. Why would I spend my time and energy on that, right? All of this stuff is processing through me while I am looking for this book in the store. And at the same time, I'm saying to myself, no, Trisha, we are disentangling ourselves from that belief. This is not too young for you. This is something that truly brings you joy. And I'm sure there are other books in this section that will also bring you joy. And it's okay that they're, quote, too young for you. Because again, here I am as an adult Harry Potter is, listening to Harry Potter is making me more creative and getting my creative juices flowing. I've been picking up a lot of fiction books over the past couple years and absolutely loving them. Young adult, middle grade, adult, new adult, any type of fiction, any, I don't want to say level, any um, genre of fiction? No, that's not right either. You know what I'm saying. Any reading level of fiction. I've been absolutely loving them because there are so many good stories out there. And just because they're not aimed at people who are 18 and older doesn't mean that they're, quote, too young for me. All right. Trying to keep this linear, but you can see how it's getting more and more entangled. 
So anyway, I ended up finding the book I was looking for. It was in the young adult section, like I had originally thought, but it was really empowering for me to walk into the store, go to that specific section, different store, um, different location, but same section of the store where I had that really sad encounter with my middle school band director and to reown that experience that I can learn and get value and enjoy the things in this section, even though they are not aimed towards someone who is my age or my grade level or my reading level, whatever it may be. So one of the resources I want to share in the show notes of this episode is a YouTuber named Morgan Long and the wonderful YouTube algorithm started recommending her videos to me. Oh gosh, it must have been like two years ago at this point, maybe even longer. And at the time, I have no idea why. It wasn't the type of content I was watching. But Morgan does like very cozy, homey, uplifting videos, and a lot of them center around books, what she's reading, what she's enjoying, how she's like bringing different bookish elements into her life. She creates absolutely wonderful content, and you should check her out. But I remember when I first started watching her, and she would do these readathons where she would make a whole stack of books and give herself, you know, 24 hours or 48 hours or a week. And her goal was to just get through as many of those books as possible while living her regular daily life. And she would throw in like poetry and kids books and mid-grade reads and fantasy and short stories and all sorts of things, things that she wanted to learn about like nature. And I was just watching her on YouTube and seeing her get so much value and joy and comfort out of these things that I had cut out of my life. Because when I was little, an adult I looked up to said that something was too young for me. Right? I was missing out on all of that that joy. And so... Seeing her do those things in a way gave me the permission to try again. I had always loved fiction book. If you know the Inheritance series by Christopher Paolini, um, Aragon, you probably know it as Aragon. It's the book with the dragon on the front. I absolutely loved that series. I still love it. I've read it several times. And when I was young, like, that was this kind of stuff I I always had a book like that in my bag. And I would say to people, like they would see this kid with this thick book and, you know, comment on that. And I would say, well, if it's not under 300 pages, it's not a real book, which is blasphemous now. But at the time, like that was something I was so into, into. Big, deep fantasy books were totally my thing. And that was something I hadn't touched in over a decade, if not more. So anyway, where was I going? Watching Morgan's YouTube channel, seeing her own this part of her identity, I started picking up fiction books again, not just personal development books. And all of a sudden, I was reading way more than I had in the many several years combined that I had picked up books and read. So like this year alone, I think I've read 
I don't know, at least over 30 books, which is crazy to think about. And most of them are really fat fiction books. And some of them are personal development books. Some of them are mid-grade reads. Some of them are young adults. Some of them are adult fiction. If you want some of my recommendations, let me know. I can put them in the show notes here or put them on social media, whatever. But, and that has been reigniting my creative spark, right? For my work, for my life, for having something to look forward to at the end of the day, for being more intentional with my time instead of just aimlessly scrolling on social media or on YouTube for a way to spend my last hour of the day before I go to bed. I have a book that I'm genuinely interested in reading. And whether that's it's about dragons or fairies or habits or polyvagal theory, like whatever it is, finally allowing myself to own those things and to let go of the idea that something is immature, something that I find joy from is immature, has been so liberating. So how is this coming into my clinical work? On top of, like I said, just reading creative things and then having creative ideas, like just having that part of my brain moving has been amazing. Another way that it's really impacted me is being so aware, and I'm sure that I mess up at times still, but being so aware of what I'm saying to my kids because I don't want in 20, 30, 40 years, one of my students to look back and say, Miss Trisha said XYZ to me. And now that's something that I need to disentangle from my identity. Right? So much damage was done by my band director just making that one comment. And don't get me wrong, he's a wonderful person. He's was a great band director. He is still doing amazing things in the world. But as a really impressionable young girl, obviously that stuck with me uh, and in a way that was just really internal and is now just coming to the surface. So anyway, clinically, it's helping me be creative. It's also helping me really recognize how what I say can impact my students positively or negatively. It's also been a way for me to generalize this idea of immaturity to bring more creativity into my clinical work and into my sessions. And I'm going to give an example that I have given before on the show because I think it's a really good example of this. So I have... um, the opportunity to work at a wonderful school where the kids need a lot of emotional supports. And so one of those supports is there are recovery spaces, which are small rooms um, across the hall from the classrooms, where if a student is not ready to engage in class for whatever reason, they can go to a recovery room, which is a quieter space where they can be alone with a staff member. um, If they need time to calm down, do something to self-regulate, hopefully get to their work at some point in that space before they're ready to return to class, that kind of thing. So anyway, there was a student who was in recovery and had been in recovery for um, a while. He There was like maybe a couple weeks where every day he was in there for some reason. And I was walking down the hall. Oh, and I'll say there was another student um, who was an elopement risk. And I was walking down the hall. The staff were taking care of the student who was an elopement risk, and one of them said to me, hey, can you sit with, we'll say, Johnny. Um, Johnny was the non-elopement risk student. 
Okay. <laughs> so I say, of course I can sit with Johnny. And Johnny is making animal noises. He's making all sorts of animal noises. Um, the closest way I could compare it was big cat noises. So lions and tigers and cheetahs, that kind of stuff. And so I walk to the recovery space where he is making those noises and I come around the corner and I meow. And he immediately stops and he looks at me and he meows back. And so we have this very short exchange of just meowing and he finally sits up straight. He had been laying on the floor. He sits up straight and he says, okay, I'll do my work. So I say, uh, okay, and I go and grab his paper. We're doing his work. I'm just sitting with him quietly. And in the middle, he says, you're the first person who's ever meowed back. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, that's fine. Let's focus on our work. And he was able to successfully complete his work, return to class, be self-regulated for the first time in, in a week plus. <laughs> so all that to say is most adults walking into a similar situation would probably feel like either a the student is doing an immature thing and therefore is not ready to return to class which could be viewed that way i'd like to reframe it as the student is doing a distracting thing uh, and needs to self-regulate before returning to class but anyway how many adults do you know would have walked into that space and acknowledged that meowing could be immature and done it anyway because if that's what it takes to get through to our students, then that's what we should be doing. Like risk feeling immature. If you're dancing and being silly, then let yourself go. Dance and be silly. Meow with your students. If you're singing with them and like there's growls and howling and whatever in like a Halloween song or a book, make those noises. Be funny. Mess it up. Like it's okay to do these things that feel immature maybe maybe they don't to you but if we if i think about you know mature versus immature someone who is mature like a grown-up i picture like you know sitting up straight possibly in a business suit has a pretty flat expression smiles and nods politely always uses like sincerely at the end of their email and you know that kind of stuff where someone who might be immature might be flamboyant and wear bright colors and always be loud and excitable and sometimes talk over you but then realize that you know maybe they shouldn't and, and backtrack and both of those things are beautiful <laughs> both of those things are beautiful what helps you more as a creative clinician and there's no right or wrong answer but obviously for me what I've been relearning is this gift of immaturity, the gift of immaturity to bring such joy into my personal life through books and hobbies and just being expressive as a person, the gift of immaturity as a clinician to be extra creative and flamboyant and to do silly things if that's what it takes to get through to my students. And the gift of immaturity all around to know that I don't fit into an age box and the things that I engage with don't need to fit into an, an age box, right? Those those parameters, I guess, are, are important if we're talking about books again, so that a 
young person, even if they have an amazing reading level, doesn't pick up a book that mm, might have some content that they're possibly not ready for <laughs> developmentally as well as uh, in maturity, no pun intended. But now, as an adult, being able to make those kinds of decisions for myself it's empowering to regain control over that and to say, maybe this is too young for me and I'm going to embrace that because it'll bring me joy. It'll bring me comfort. It'll make me happy. Any of those things. I guess the caveat here is to say that <laughs> unlike the friendship bracelet thing, something that's quote too young for you doesn't have to have like some productivity-based purpose behind it in order to be worth your time. I guess that's another non-linear part of this story is how my maturity and identity and um, the word is escaping me, but how all of that has been tied into a product-based reality where I need to be learning or doing or producing something in order to have value and worthiness in life and how that has contributed to my workaholism, which I am recovering from, if you don't know that already. Uh, anyway, again, all of this is, is really, really entangled. So to kind of wrap things up, if someone influential in your life has said something to you similar to, isn't that a bit young for you? Or any other type of judgmental phrase that makes you feel like you are put into a box that you have to stay in for the rest of your life. <sighs> Take a moment to give yourself so much love and grace for young you, or maybe not even young you, past you accepting those things as truth and to know that if those beliefs are no longer serving you then it's okay to let them go and unravel them and that could be something as simple as walking into the kids section of a bookstore and looking at the books so i hope that everything i shared today makes sense. <laughs> I hope that you got something out of hearing this story um, of just what I've been emotionally working through lately. Thank you for valuing what I have to say and listening to it. I hope that this helps you personally and clinically. Um, if you enjoy this show, please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and follow us on social media at Music Therapy Chronicles. You can get on our newsletter at musictherapychronicles.com and stay up to date on whatever is coming next. So until then, thank you again. I'll see you in the next one. This podcast is sponsored by the Music Therapy Podcast Collective, also known as MTPC, where you can find a variety of CMTE opportunities in the form of pod courses. All of MTPC's pod courses are built on a listen, learn, apply, 
model, where you start by listening to some assigned podcast episodes, then move into learning with the assistance of a workbook filled with resources for you to start your self-study towards whatever topics are most interesting, inspiring, and applicable to your practice. And then we finish with the apply section, which includes an office hour and a worksheet to determine how you are going to apply your learning to your personal life or professional practice. You can find all the Music Therapy Chronicles pod courses on our website, musictherapychronicles.com, and you can find the entire catalog of pod courses at MTPC's website, mtpodcastcollective.com. Make sure you also get on the MTPC newsletter for 10% off your first pod course purchase. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation and got a lot out of it. If you're looking for more Music Therapy Chronicles, you can check out our website, musictherapychronicles.com, for more episodes, blog posts, social media links, um, contact information, our self-care community, and our CMTE opportunities in the form of pod courses. Hop on our monthly newsletter if you haven't already, and follow us on social media for just staying up to date on what's going on behind the scenes. We are Music Therapy Chronicles on all of the platforms. Please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. They really help the podcast be more visible so more people like you who are looking for this type of content can find it. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this week's episode, and I'll see you in the next one.